of the Fortress of Comic News, episode 164. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside, we're now on Zoom, Mike. It's Mike. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, we're on Zoom today, uh, and mostly because we have an awesome guest, Sachi, coming to the show a little bit later, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, his origin in comics and his awesome book, Lionborn, if you can't see behind my head here, so uh, stick around. And, uh, yeah, we'll be getting to that cool stuff pretty shortly. Yeah, Zoom's not bad. I don't know. I've tried a lot of different uh, web, web video services as of lately, Chris, but this one doesn't seem so bad. I don't know. We just figured we'd try it because everybody else is doing it. <laughs> why not? It's like cocaine. When everybody else does it, you got to do it, too. Yep. Just a slave to the ultimate, I suppose. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> let's go to the TV news so we can get this awesome <laughs> I'm doing just great, by the way, Chris. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got some cool news about uh, Mandalorian, which anything about Mandalorian is just cool news. Uh, Boba Fett will appear in the second season um, of The Mandalorian, and it's going to be played by the, the veteran Star Wars actor, uh, Tamara Morrison. So, yes, from the originals, uh, well, the episodes one, two, and three. The prequels. The prequels, yes. Um, so he's coming back. Uh, there was a picture released today. I don't know if you saw our poster um, of like the the Mandalorian, Boba Fett, and the baby Yoda in between them. So, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, so he's like standing there with the baby, and he's like, they're just like on opposite ends. I'm like, uh oh, they're meeting. Uh oh. So when we saw those foot, uh, those feet appear on Tatooine mm-hmm. in season one. And everybody's like, oh, my God, it's Boba Fett. It, I mean, this pretty much confirms it, right? That was Boba Fett. It has to be Boba Fett, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and so, th- I mean, it's kind of cool because um, this is the guy that played Django. Right. Um, and Boba Fett is a clone of Django. And, uh, but there's also that thing that he might be playing a second character inside the series, maybe, mm-hmm. possibly. And the way they ended Clone Wars with a very important clone trooper getting the chip out of him and not being a slave to order 66. Oh, I had, and then the whole thing with Ahsoka Tana is supposed to be in the season two. I really think that th- that's who he's playing on top that's, of Boba Fett. Yeah. I mean, that, Oh man, the fans are going to be stoked. You bring all these characters over from Clone Wars. It's awesome. That's so cool. So I, yeah, I mean, I was already excited for Mandalorian. Now I'm even more excited for Mandalorian. Yeah. And that can kind of tie into what I watched this week. Um, because I watched that, uh, the first two episodes of that documentary that um, Disney did about the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. How was that? It is really good. It's like they cut it into different sections of production. So the first episode is all about the directors. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was all about um, uh, production people. And I'll say, if you watch nothing else in that, watch the director's one because, I mean, Favreau's in it. Um, I can never remember the guy's name, but it's basically the, the head guy for Lucas Animation who does a lot for Mandalorian. Um, and he was the kind of the, the big brain behind Clone Wars on top of Lucas, obviously. Um, and then to keep... Taki, the Thor Love and Thunder director. He directs an episode, so like he's in it. Like there's a whole a bunch of, and they have this one section where, so they're doing clips and talking about things, but the whole thing is set around a round table where they have Favreau and then whoever else is a part of that uh, chunk. Mm-hmm. And it's just them talking about storytelling and specifically Star Wars storytelling, but just like, why they fell in love with Star Wars and how they view storytelling and all that. And it's just an amazing conversation between people who are all pretty much masters at their craft, just talking about it. And I I really enjoyed that portion of it. I really recommend uh, that. I enjoyed the second episode too, but um, it starts to get way nerdy at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They, the, um, I, I do enjoy, like uh, they do the, is it for the Oscars or the um, yeah, Academy Awards? They do the the director's roundtable for the um, the best pictures. Mm-hmm. And like this year, they had like Robert De Niro sitting with Shia LaBeouf and uh, 
uh, like Tom Hanks. And I think uh, Jamie Foxx was sitting down. It was just like this great group of people sitting down and talking with each other. And it was like, everybody there was just like worshiping Robert De Niro. But yeah. it's like, but they're, it's crazy because they're all so phenomenally good. And you're like, it's so funny that they're just like, they're all like, you know, basically like fanboying over Robert De Niro being there too. So it's cool to see that stuff. Um, it's, it's also, that's his name, Dave Filoni. I really want to get his name right. Uh, he's the like the head director of Clone Wars. Mm. And listening to him talk Star Wars, because this is a dude who's like, you know, I like Star Wars, but I'll shit on the prequels a little bit. And this is a dude who will like go into, he did like a five minute conversation about why the uh, lightsaber fight between Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Maul mm-hmm. is a metaphor for the entire uh, saga. Like this dude yeah. lives and breathes Star Wars, and it was wow. so amazing listening to him talk. So yeah, that's awesome. Check that show check out. out. Uh, yeah, and this is more of a rumor that's going around that's kind of hit the internet. Um, we do we do a little bit of speculation here, but uh, we know that HBO is doing a um, Justice League Dark show head by J.J. Abrams. We also have there's some rumors going around that uh, they need a Constantine. And they're going to bring back Keanu Reeves for Constantine and maybe do another Constantine movie. So we don't know if that's true or not. Well, I guess we'll see and find out. I think that, I mean, they're just going to ride that con- the Keanu train. <laughs> pretty yeah. Much. I guess the Keanu bus because he was in speed, right? So just hop on the Keanu bus. I'm down with that because, I mean, I had no connection to Constantine when that movie came out. Right. Um I barely knew that it was a comic book character at the time. Fully right. admit that. And I love that movie still. I oh, think it's a good movie. So, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It was like a cult classic. Yeah. I don't, yeah, it really was. And the fact that he was Constantine, I mean, he didn't have a British accent like the, like they had, they run the mill now, but um, I think it's fine. And what, what better way to bring in viewers? I, people will sign up for HBO max just to see Keanu Reeves. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and then, you know, CW can keep the Atlanta Falcons quarterback, Matt Ryan, as Constantine, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they can have it. Uh, anyways, jumping to the movie news. Uh, Gore, Love and Thunder, <laughs> writer-director Taika Waititi, I don't know, I can't do it, has signed on to write and direct a Star Wars film as announced by StarWars.com. So there's some speculation there. But he is now since joined on to write. Um, so it's going to be awesome. Yeah, written and directed by him. I mean, we saw what he did with that uh, Mandalorian. He did a great episode there. Uh, yeah, and what he did with Thor. So. Yeah, and I mean, let him do what he wants. He's a great creator. I still need to see the, the Jojo Rabbit that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy just knows movies, like, it's very obvious from that documentary I just got done talking about and just from watching his movies that the dude just knows movies. Yeah. Um, and really quick, uh, before we cut to the interview, I watched um, the first episode of Solar Opposites just because of how much it reminds it's that It's that Justin Rowland show we talked about where you know Rick and Morty went on a weird break and Justin Rowland comes out with this new show for Hulu and now he's, we're back to Rick and Morty. Hmm. <laughs> very suspicious, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are saying it's just like Rick and Morty. I mean, when you can get out of the, you can get out away from the, like, he has the same voice as Rick, and he pretty much has the same attitude and motivations as Rick. <laughs> Besides that, uh, that connection there, and I'm pretty sure they live in Rick's house. <laughs> yeah, with a spaceship on top. Yeah, with a spaceship on top. It looks exactly like the Rick and Morty house. Uh, it, yeah, it's fairly good. It's like, you know, aliens crash land on a planet. It has a little more structure to it than rick and morty i guess or a little more um i don't know if structure is the word but like, it's a little more sitcom-y sitcom yeah like there's a like there's a moral at the end of the story you know what i mean like the, we've come full circle and like this is yeah. why you shouldn't be a bad person kind of reveal at the end uh but it's not bad the animation style i mean it's just like rick <laughs> it's i i made this comparison to you off air yeah, but yep. It's to me, it was when American Dad first came out and I was an avid Family Guy fan. I watched that and I'm like, yeah, it's okay, but it's not the best. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's you know it's family guy light and that's kind of what this reminds me it's like rick and morty light mm-hmm. um enjoyable enough where I'll, I'll finish off i think i watched the first two episodes and um i thought it was hilarious that the first episode's premise was these aliens watch a children's version of rick and morty right. um <laughs> pretty much um but it's yeah it's that to me and it's something I'll, I'll go through i am way more interested i just realized that rick and marty came back and it should be on my amazon so i'm gonna go watch that after this but nice. when there's no rick and marty this would be cool to watch yeah. and we'll see how it grows too maybe you know three or four seasons hell maybe even three or four episodes down the line i might be even more in love with it but that's what i'm hearing i think a lot of the a lot of the fans aren't really hating on it they're kind of just like hey if you like rick and marty check this out you'll like it too yeah, not everything has to be the greatest thing ever. Right. And we do know there's a lot of time in between Rick and Morty seasons, so <laughs> that'll hold you over. I also, I this is like, I'm just announcing it now, but I think I started last week. I can't even remember. It's all a blur. Uh, I, I'm on season six of Letterkenny already. So that show is hilarious. I, 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 you know, I have to ask my friends for forgiveness for putting it off for so long, but it is a very funny show, um, and it's it's very smart at times too. So I'm check it out if you like Canadians living in living in Timbuktu, <laughs> pretty much. So I think we had talked about it when you said you were going to try it. Yeah. Would you recommend it to somebody else? Let's say me. Would I recommend it to you? Yeah, I would say at least give it a shot. Like, cause I I started it and I gave up after like the first episode. It it takes a few episodes to like grow on you, and then you really start to like you you start to feel for the characters and stuff. And then you realize like, wow, this isn't just a like a show about rambling. There's a lot of weight and structure to some of the jokes that they do. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, a lot of the seasons have a cold open with like an alliteration back and forth between characters where they go through the whole alphabet. And the way they stammer it off is just like, wow, this took hours of practice. <laughs> and it's actually hilarious. But like, but they act like idiots while they're doing it. It's the funny part, too. So, um, yeah, I think you should check it out for sure. Okay. Yeah. Why? You don't seem too convinced. I, so here's the, I probably will love it. Because the yeah. same thing happened to me with Trailer Park Boys, where I watched oh, like yeah. one episode and I'm like, what? this is fucking stupid. You would, and, you're going to love Letter Kenny. And now it's, yeah, that's one of, like, one of my favorite shows. And it is fucking stupid, but it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> this is, like, uh, Letterkenny is, like, is like Trailer Park Boys if they actually had education, I guess. Okay. Like, if they had, like, if they actually admitted they had school school educations and, like, worked for a living and didn't do so many drugs. But it's, it's, it's just as good, I think. Okay. Yeah. I'll check it out. Check it out. So let's uh, let's jump to this awesome interview with Sachi, and we'll see everybody on the other side. And welcome back, everybody. Today we have a very special guest, and I want to tell a little story before we introduce our guests. During these times, we're all most of us are at home doing our thing, trying to figure out what to do with ourselves. Well, our guest today took some of that time and created something. Nobody asked him to do it. Uh, he just had the need to go out there and create something and he created a four page comic strip which has then gotten him into newsarama and all these different outlets and it's a great story about taking this time or taking any time you have and just trying something putting it out there and maybe it gets caught in something and you get noticed so today welcome to the show sachi welcome to the show sachi hey guys thanks for having me yeah, no problem. I, I mean, I love free comics, so I mean, <laughs> that's not why you're here, by the way. I we're not, we haven't been bribed at all. We all need our comics. That's 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 the that's the theme we've got. That's the yeah. one thing we need out of this. We need yeah, free yeah, comics. for sure, free yes. comics all the time. But hey, man, thanks for being on the show. We'll talk about your, that comic in a second. Um, we just want to get your origin story of. I know you're in into film and cinema stuff like that. Um, so let's hear your origin story. Have you always liked comics growing up? Were you always a fan? And where did it all start for you? Oh, yeah, cool. Uh, so I'm from Sri Lanka, so comics is not really huge mm-hmm. in our part of the world. Like, it's it, mainstream comics, especially. Like, we, we just got our comic book shop, the first ever comic book shop, like two years ago. So, wow. I, I, okay. But I, I was familiar with the characters. I knew, I knew Batman. I knew the X-Men. Because I, of course, we had we we had the animated cartoons and all of that. Mm-hmm. So of course, I grew up reading those, and 
at one point we had these low budget uh, imprints that were running in the country i'm not sure it was imported from india as i remember mm-hmm. but uh, it took me a while like i didn't i used to draw as a kid and i love storytelling i used to write stories and all of that but i didn't make comics to say mm-hmm. uh then career was like i got into designing stuff i was a graphic designer that's how i started out Mm-hmm. and then i went into animation and all of that and uh later on i started doing filmmaking as well as a side thing because as i said i said i was interested in storytelling mm-hmm. and i started writing and directing my own short films mm-hmm. and those got into film festivals and and on the side i would like draw stuff then like i i got myself a wacom tablet and i started drawing stuff and people are like you can draw why don't you try making your own comic I'm like yeah that makes sense like so that's how I started out doing my first few comics and then I've sort of phased out from filmmaking uh, unintentionally because I realized like I can create much more bigger scope stories from yeah. comics instead of like because I tried once doing something in the big in how to go a bit higher budget realm where I was like with something sci-fi stuff but I realized it was pain in the ass because like the <laughs> effects and all of that and then yeah. for shooting you have to go up early 5 a.m. Oh, yeah. and all of that and of course i thought hey comics that's nice i love comics anyway so yeah. it made sense so mm-hmm. i started a few pages just drawing just to get a hang of it and then yeah i took my time for it. like the first book lion born it took me like two and a half years to get done because mm-hmm. i was doing it apart from my day job as a designer Mm-hmm. and so that also was like a learning process because i had an, i like it's crazy to think that i went directly to a graphic novel but the truth is like it, there were a lot of trial and error moments for that like i i started i started with 40 pages and i completely discarded them because i realized like my art had gotten better after i finished 40 <laughs> pages <laughs> you start like, oh, graphic novel you're like wow this got a lot better over time exactly so i was like okay it looks like i have to draw these 40 again uh, so yeah and it took some time but i'm glad i i learned a lot i learned a lot out of that and of course eventually self published it and and surprisingly the the feedback was great especially in sri lanka where I'm from uh, because no one had seen anything like it and and it's something unique from our part of the world and it's it was a new voice to the industry so that sort of thing so that's your book lionborn do you want to talk about that or give us a quick uh, oh yeah sure sure overview of the plot yeah uh so the story is based on a sri lankan mythological story of sorts it's the thing was like i wanted to write and draw a story something based on history but i i wanted more creative liberty so mm-hmm. the story is perfect because in his in the historical sense like there's not much to it that's known about it mm. so i had the freedom to you know add things and make it my own and i did that and i i how i structured it was i took all the the fantasy elements ar- uh, around it and sort of introduced a crime element to it so the best way to describe it it's a crime story set in a medieval times it's a murder mystery plot set in medieval times okay. and of course all the history the story beats that happen in the original myth happens in this but of course it's more structured and has a proper ending and all of that mm. and i always figured that it was going to be a one off graphic novel it won't be one of a series of sorts because i i wanted a book that would could stand on its own of sorts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah that turned out well thankfully <laughs> so uh do you think that all your experience with the cinema and, and doing the short films and stuff like that that helped you that helped you in a sense i mean because you you have to storyboard as well so um was the transition taking that story to a graphic novel was it did, did you have issues like translating it or was it the medium really oh no it is straight forward because uh yeah. as i said i, I even started with every good artist mm-hmm. before getting as a, we were starting as a graphic designer and before, even with my short films i used to storyboard my stuff regardless and that transition really helped because re, i mean if you think about it a comic book page itself it's like a fancy way of storyboards like instead of like the 16 by 9 boards i'm creating panels which are like vertical they're all crazy nine panel grids right. so i'm just playing around with the panel sizes but if you think about it just storyboards with dialogue mm. on the page itself so in that sense i really understood because i had again as i said as i directed my own stuff i had an understanding of visual language where like i knew how to portray stuff how to 
express something just by the visuals itself. Because even in my short films, they were non-dialogue films. Because mm-hmm. I want to do it in that way so anyone in the world could understand them. And okay. those played in few film festivals around the world at the time. So I, I understood, like, okay, I, I understand this. I can bring this into comics for sure. And that's how it rolled out of sorts. So, like, the cinematography was a language to you, pretty much, that people can, everyone can understand almost, right? It's yeah, like, uh, that's yeah. the beauty of any visual medium, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, that's something a lot of artists in comics don't really look into is that you are kind of the uh, director of photography for the book as well as the artist and and framing everything. So that had to help a ton in creating this. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so speaking of stories without dialogue, um, lo and behold, this this News Ram article that dropped was, I think, today. But uh, so what did you do there with Magneto? And I, I mean, I, I checked it out as well. It was pretty awesome. But can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah, for sure. So the funny thing was after I did Lion Bond, I did a few short comics, like mm-hmm. just four-page stuff, which I did release online. But I never thought of doing a non-dialogue comic. Like it never, I mean, I thought about it, but I was like, would people like this or not? And like, because you have the doubt because lettering is part of com- the comic book medium. Like, you right. just like, and I was not sure about it. So as you said, the pandemic happened and I had some time. Like, and it started out, uh, there was this, this is not uh, an artist in, on Twitter. His name is Ian Laurie, and he has done a few Kickstarter books and stuff. And he did this sample uh, Doctor Strange page. Mm-hmm. And it was like this one page thing. And he was like, hey, why don't anyone else start, try this? Like, since we are at home. So it started like that. I created this one page Magneto uh, thing, dot mm-hmm. thing, and then like posted it. I really liked it. And I just expanded it to a full four page story. Mm-hmm. And I, I, when I started it, I realized I was not going to put dialogue in it. I like let the let the panels tell the story. I, I was adamant about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it worked out. It worked out, and I'm really happy that it reached so many people. Yeah, yeah, I know. Everybody's everybody's talking about it. It's awesome. But uh, to me, that's pretty cool, especially like a character Magneto. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you get the same run of those stories, and Chris is reading X Men right now, and. Um, is there any other characters that you'd want to like take like that and just do uh what do you who else do you think you could do like that a story without dialogue like who oh that's interesting yeah i i did one more uh but with the character called armor but it didn't go as viral as magneto i guess because magneto is much more well known of course whereas armor yeah so funny enough i've been thinking about it and not thinking about it because I need to do some uh, some of my own comics as well. Like right. I, don't, <laughs> I really don't get sucked into the bubble like, where I spend yeah. all my time doing X Men comics, unlicensed X Men comics. Yeah, and, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a whole lot of money to be made there. Exactly, and it's, and it's not like I can print these into a book and sell them at a con or something. You right, know, right. Good. So yeah, so, uh, yeah as, to answer your question, like if I had to do another character, I like to say Psylocke or something. Yeah, so when when doing this like you're you're doing kind of a like a practice run or whatever you want to call it and you put it out there and did you ever expect that like it would blow up to what it was and everybody on twitter would be reading it and then you get articles and all these websites talking about it or was it just for you like this would be fun while we're sitting at home doing nothing <laughs> no not at all like i've I just put it up and and then it just blew up as you said. Like I did not <laughs> expect that. And really it was surprising. And I, it's it to be honest, it's the most like tweet of mine so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it is it is it is nice to see that uh, the thing as an artist, like it's good to see people reacting to your work sometimes. Like especially now since the convention season is down and you have no way to gauge that right. You don't meet your fans whatsoever right now. So being putting content online is the best way to find about that. And to see people reacting to work positively in that sort of sense, like, of course, thousands of tweets go viral every day, uh, at least a couple of hundred. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's good to see that your content is, some, is somewhat worth of something. So I yeah. think it worked out well. So you, you kind of touched on this there, but did you notice afterwards, um, have you been, you know, selling more Lionborn or have you getting more people um contacting you about stuff or just fans saying like wow i've discovered this and love your work or 
has it has kind of built your audience a little bit more just from this this weird moment of a viral tweet oh yeah like uh people reached out to me of course like uh, some creators i love as, as well like they really liked it and people contact me to do collaborations and stuff but yeah i mean uh, the other thing was like uh i really i realized like it's important i said like putting your stuff out there and realizing to check what works and what doesn't like i re- now, now it's great that my second and it's not great it's like it's a lesson like my next one didn't get, go viral as a, as yeah. the last one otherwise it would have been like repetitive like I'm, I'm, I think I might have learned, okay, what I did wrong and not wrong. There's nothing wrong. It's just like maybe the certain things to do to get that sort of reaction. Mm-hmm. But as I said, yeah, it worked out and folks reached out. And uh, of course, because the convention season is not going on and there's nothing much, I, I'd line bond and sell much because I only do that in, at conventions. I sell it in person. Mm-hmm. I don't have it online at the moment mm-hmm. because of course, postal services are down as well. Yep. So yeah, that's... Uh... That's definitely got to hurt you too, and not being able to sell them. But if um, if you do get them online, we'd love to we'd love to know where you're selling them from. So we can oh yeah, for sure. I, I, I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's definitely it's it's hurt us too. This con season slowing down, and um, so I are you are you illustrating full time or how, is that? No, I'm you... I, I work in advertising as a designer. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So comics is something I do on the side, and yeah. of course, like although I say it, it's on the side, truth be told. I put the same amount of work to it just as I do for my day job. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to the point, my, yeah. my, my, my supervisor at work, my boss at work, he started to make fun of me. He, he keeps questioning, are you sure that this is your day job? Or stomach <laughs> <laughs> Especially when he sees a Newsarama article. <laughs> exactly. He's exactly. like, what's going on here? <laughs> exactly. like, of course, I'm, working, I'm fortunate to have, I mean, I'm working from home right now. And when I log in, he's like, "Oh, thank you for coming for to your day job." I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and and yeah, and before we go, um, obviously we're gonna talk about where to send the fans and stuff. But we gotta talk about the Mad Max poster behind you because you're oh, yeah. you're so big into film and cinema. Um, Mad Max Fury Road is one of my favorite films. Uh, yeah. And I think I saw it at least I don't know, uh, twenty twenty times in the theater. I'm not even joking about that. I, I went there quite because. That was a movie for me, um, Mad Max Fear Road, you had to see in the theater almost. I mean, yeah. there was something about that. Uh, and I don't know if you agree with that or not, because, I mean, we just talked about how, you know, you can transition films to, um, to comic books. But there's, there's something you said about that movie specifically and, and how impactful it was seeing it in a theater. I don't know if you felt the same way about it. But. Yeah, I think, uh, now that you mentioned it, I think how George Miller wrote this film Mm-hmm. was storyboards i think if yeah. if my memory serves right yep. he didn't write a script right. he he storyboarded this entire sequence because if you think about it structure wise it's a chase sequence mm-hmm. that happens with of course their story beats and whatnot but ultimately it's a chase movie yeah uh, like <laughs> if i remember right yeah. josh miller did storyboard this entirely and then he shot it yeah. and of course it's a great film and like i remember seeing uh the preview sequence it, it, it was a teaser which was like a 10 minute extended preview mm-hmm. and I, I, I was not expecting to see that in the theater and when i saw it, i was like so pumped like <laughs> yeah. man, i was like right. this throughout yeah. the movie yeah. and then i went and watched the actual thing and my gosh the the pure energy it had yeah like and it it's, felt it, like, well, it's, so it's, good. it's funny and kind of ironic that it, i mean you had the poster behind me because we're talking about comics without words and I, I recently saw an article about that movie that I think it was both main characters had less than like 70 lines of dialogue or something oh, wow. like that. Yeah, so if you go back and you look at how many lines of dialogue um, Furiosa and uh, Max had, it was like the fewest out of any of the characters. And it was something we said about like George Miller, you know, put these famous people in roles and didn't have them talk at all. <laughs> you oh, know what right. I mean? And like the story yeah. is what, and, and people were like, it was an amazing movie. But I mean, yeah. there's no dialogue, right? So it's still an amazing movie without it. That's why you can still have a really good comic without dialogue, I think, too. There's yeah, yeah, that's the, true. The art. I think it's, it's a kind of movie where you could just shut off the audio and even still realize what's going on. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, there's, 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 there's certain movies you probably can't do that. But <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. You can't do that with Parasite. Yeah, yeah, I was I was just thinking that yeah, Parasite. <laughs> Parasite would be like, what the hell happened? <laughs> <laughs> How did we get here? 
that's be true. very confused. Like, what is there someone in the basement? What did this? I, don't, <laughs> I thought there. Yeah. I thought that was the maid. What happened? Um, yeah. So I let's just really quick. I mean, Chris and I always do a we do a wrap up every year of like we don't talk about movies a lot on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you just had like I don't know recent top three films that you oh. that you've watched or think are of note, I think that'd be cool to hear from you. All right. Uh, I haven't watched Fury Road in a few months, so does that count? Or... Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you want to, I mean, if you want to do like top three films of all time, or like, I don't know, oh, okay, all right, all right. So, I mean, yeah, we can do it within the decade. All right, all right, okay. So Fury Road goes in for sure. Yeah. Uh, then Spider Verse. Which okay. oh, into the Spider Verse. Yeah, into the Spider Verse. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, Spider-verse. that was really good. Yep. That something more recent. I think I'd say Parasite. I really like that. Yeah, film. I, I really like it. Uh, other than that, oh, I loved um, Invisible Man. Oh yeah, that was a that, recent one that, that I watched. That, that was that, really that good. Is, uh, Chris doesn't do so well with like horror uh, <laughs> thriller films. I told him it wasn't that scary. It was. It yeah, was that's like, the thing. Even I don't do well with horror at all. I didn't know it had horror elements to it. So whatever happened, it came as a surprise. Right. But still, I really liked how they approached it and. The director's earlier movie, Upgrade, that was so good as well. Oh, I haven't seen Upgrade all. Oh, that is pretty good. That's pretty good. And Into the Spider-Verse, the animation was just amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like my movies to have spaceships and lightsabers. There you go. He's a simple man. <laughs> just, okay, so to bring everything back on track, um, where can we send everyone if they want to see what you're up to and all your amazing uh, art that you have online? Oh, for sure. Uh, I'm on, like, just my art, I'm on Instagram as root345. Okay. And, of course, on Twitter as root345art. Okay. Uh, so those are two main avenues that I post my stuff and I post, post updates, of course. I've got my next book coming up whenever <laughs> convention season resumes. Oh, can we so talk about see. that at all? Or? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, oh, okay, yeah. It was featured on Userarm as well. Okay. Uh, the preview went on over there. So it was... Uh, it's a it's a sci-fi no, uh, graphic novel called Wayfinder, mm. and it's about a mother who crash lands to Earth uh, to in search of a daughter. Uh, it's, it's it's a it's a it's how do you, I'd say it's a cross between Rogue One and Fury, not Fury Road. Yeah, it's my version of Rogue One, I'd say. Mm. And it was supposed to launch at the Emerald City Comic Con this year, and of course it got postponed. Uh, so whenever convention season resumes, hopefully I'll be able to get awesome. on that. Well, you heard yeah. that, Chris. You Star Wars style. So there you go. I'm in. There's no lightsabers, though, so uh, I, I don't <laughs> want to disappoint the fans. <laughs> there, hey, there were many lightsabers. There was one lightsaber in, for like three minutes in Rogue One, right? So I, no, there you go. Yeah. Still, he still enjoyed it. That's three <laughs> minutes of cinema. <laughs> that's right that sequence was pretty dope <laughs> yeah it was it was it was awesome that like that like cranked it up to 11 in the movie for exactly. me. have have you looked more into um putting these on your website and trying to get them out to a larger crowd or are you really just kind of into the whole con scene and keeping them going that way uh truth be told because lionborn was my first book as i said like i had it explored the whole putting it on a website and stuff. So mm-hmm. I, was, I, m- I might explore it more with my next few books. Now, uh, Wayfinder, of course, is there. And I'm trying to work on another book. Like, I'm still working on it, plotting it and all. And let's see how things go. Because right now, I don't think, because with what's going on, everyone's going through rough times. Mm-hmm. So when hopefully things get back to normal. And let's see when that happens, what I could yeah. do. Because, makes sense. As I said, it, it's even a learning process for me, truth be told. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we're kind of learning day by day here. So, exactly. so yeah, when we know more about that, we'll share it with everybody out there. Uh, Sachi, thanks so much for being on, man. It, um, yeah, thank you. I, I just got to say that the Eric Shore, it was, it's four pages, but it's four wonderful pages. And um, I'm glad that it, it introduced me to you because not only is the art fantastic, but just you can tell you have a knack for that storytelling. And it's, mm-hmm. it's great to have more people like you out there. So thank yeah. you again for being on the show and we'll have you again on sometime. Yeah. No worries. Thanks for having me as well. Yeah. And we're back. Awesome. So please check out Route 345, um, Twitter and website for it. And uh, yeah, we'll love to have him back when we can uh, start talking about the new graphic novel and how he's distributing it and stuff like that. So with that, Chris, I think we'll jump into the comic book news. What do you think? Sure, why not? Um, 
Yeah, so we're going to start off on a solemn note here. Uh, longtime comic book anchor Juan Velasco has passed away uh, April 24th due to complications from an append uh, appendicitis operation, um, which is not what you were probably expecting about COVID-19, but <laughs> still very still very sad to hear that he passed away due to complications from that. Um, I mean, he's, he's, he was in the industry for quite a while. Yeah, and I'm just looking up. Uh, they, he's done a bunch of the recent Avengers stuff. He did the the recent Avengers Weekly. He's done Miss Marvel. I mean, so he was working fairly recently. Um, and uh, it, it's always tough. Uh, like I don't, I don't want to disrespect anchors because they're an important part of the industry. But it's always tough with anchors because we always talk about pencil art, right? And uh, how much we love pencil art, but like he's done stuff that I, he's done books that I don't care for and he's done books that I love. And it's, uh, it just goes to show that like an, an anchor is not only beholden to the style of the penciler, but you know, just kind of brings it more into shape for what it can be. And, you know, hats off to him and uh, thoughts out to his family. Cause he wasn't that old, was he? The thing, and the thing about anchors to me too is, I mean, we even talk when we get artists on the show. Um, it's an experienced anchor. It, you can't replace it with just a, a new and upcoming anchor. You know, it, that's it's it's more of an experience gig where, like, especially when you're handling someone's art and you don't want to make it your own too much, but you also want to accent what they're doing. Um, at least from what I've realized with just interview, it's you know everybody does the Ben Affleck joke. Oh, you're just coloring the pages. Um, but just a tracer, you're just a tracer. Yeah. You're just tracing it, but there really is more weight to it. And they're, um, both physically, I mean, they're inking the page, but also with the, with the art style, they have to, they have to transition between all these different art styles and then gets colored after that. And even like the way you ink, it can translate to the story as well. I mean, it, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes on there. Yeah. Like after, I think the first, like, I want to say this correctly uh high profile inker we had was glapion and mm-hmm. talking with him on the process and what to do and like you really saw that there's he he brings more depth to what the the line artist is trying to do i think that's the best way to put it mm-hmm. um and i looked it up and yeah juan vesquez was fairly young he was only 51 years old so yeah. very sad yeah very sad um all right let's jump into hopefully some more uplifting news uh, for over two years, best-selling writers, Jeff Lemire and Matt Kind and internationally acclaimed artist, David Rubin uh, have worked in secret on an all new original graphic novel, the book titled cosmic detective. Awesome. What it, that, I love the name already. Um, I'm in already. Like yeah, you don't have to say any more. I'm in. Yeah. You said Jeff. And I was like, here's my checkbook. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's an epic science fiction, science fiction mystery that asks, when a god is murdered, who solves the crime? Awesome. That is so cool. Uh, yeah, I need to see it now. I need to read it. Yeah, uh, I'm down. I think I already, I got your Kickstarter done with this, but I'm pretty sure I already uh, contributed to it. Nice. Um, yeah, Jeff Lemire. You had me at Jeff Lemire. Right. Um, I like Dave Rubin's uh, art. Um, I've, I've never actually read a book that he's done, but I've seen him throughout my travels. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matt Kent is actually a guy who I've never read a whole lot from. I think he's been more of a DC guy. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, mind management, mind and GMT. Yeah. And I actually have, uh, that book bang that he did. Um, issue one came out before the apocalypse. And I have a copy. That's a book I want to read because it's about super spies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to check that out. But he seems to be a prolific guy that people love too. So what I'm saying is this book looks awesome. Go check it out on Kickstarter. <laughs> I definitely will be backing it. Um, Scout Comics joins DC and Alterna and are going to start shipping directly to retailers. So it seems to be the... Tides are turning. So I 
since our last episode had a conversation with my local retailer mm-hmm. um, about all of this business, mostly because I want to get Tinseltown and um, I'd prefer to get my books through him to support him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was talking about this whole direct to retailer thing and how it goes. And he gave me kind of the retailer's perspective of it. Um, basically DC does it. Cool. Um, it, it pretty much doesn't matter what the store is. You're going to order a bunch of DC stuff. I mean, that's going to be a big chunk of your audience. Um, and if Marvel did it, same. He said the thing with Alterna and some of these other ones that are saying they're going to do it is that unless he can get X amount of people into it to buy books, the shipping alone kills him. Like he loses money. So uh, in short, I can't get my Alterna books through him. And this was kind of one of the things that I had hinted at when this was first announced with Alterna that I didn't think it was a good idea for that reason. Because through Diamond, he can get the one Alterna book and he makes it, you know, I I know they're cheap books, but he makes his money off of it and we move on. Uh, With this, I have to find another way to do it. And I'm sure Scout Comics is the same because Scout Comics is, uh, Mm -hmm. I read a few of their books, but their big book is like Stabity Bunny. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that's not doing Superman numbers. So I mean, the whole point of having Diamond Distributors was there to make the industry uh, make things easier. And um, like you said, DC and Marvel. And yeah, so we, I don't know. They, you might see these indie people going back to Diamond fairly quickly. And it's it's like I said, if, uh, if let, let's say Alterna, they open up their direct market thing to Scout and then to whoever else out there and they have like a decent chunk of publishers doing direct through Alterna. Mm-hmm. I can see doing that, but unless you're DC or Marvel, I don't, I mean, not a ton of people are going to go and do your direct thing for only your books. They'd rather go through something like diamond or, and it's not to say that there shouldn't be competition for diamond. I believe there should be, but I don't know if that is the answer to have just a direct um, because shipping is expensive and when you're only making 30 to 40% off your books and you're talking alternative $2 books and DC or most others like three to $4 books, it's not like you're getting rich. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so with that, we'll just jump into what we read this week. Um, I finished all three volumes of the children's vampire hunting brigade. Uh, great, great. Um, three volumes and by David Lucarelli. Uh, check it out. And like he says on our show a few episodes ago, it's like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It is. Uh, there's, you know, some risque drama between characters that are liking each other, but there's also vampire hunting. So um, yeah, it was cool. And I, I'd, I'd be curious if he wants to continue the story at all because it kind of leaves it on a uh, cliffhanger. I also, um, I have the, the Gem World Volume 1. I'm going to read that. I got it for pretty cheap. Chris is laughing right now. Um, not, not something I would normally read from DC, and I think Gem World sucks from my last experience with it uh, back in the New 52. So I, I picked it up. I read through the first couple issues, I think, and it's it's not bad. I mean, I can't really relate to the character, um, but I find you find out about the Gem World and how there's other like uh, rulers and how the the main character she has like a split personality that goes between Earth and the Gem World. So, but there's all different leaders i guess and there's some some type of war or some type of bad thing going on and it's i'm interested to see where the story goes uh yeah but it's not bad uh finishing up dark arc volume one almost done with that um pretty much the uh the wizard that runs the dark arc is just getting everybody settled down but they had that giant attack from the vampires from below the ship so that was pretty cool um the Book's very, it's a Colin Bunn book, but it's very cinematic. Like, I can see this becoming a TV show, like, yeah. tomorrow. Um, yeah, and I had one more. Um, no, I think that was it. And I'm still reading uh, um, the the monster, uh, the monsters book, but I haven't finished that yet either. What do you got, Chris? Um, so I, I should have done this earlier on the show, but I wanted to say, like, uh, a lot of publishers are putting out free stuff digitally right now. Um, and I've been picking up a ton of free uh, stuff. Uh, Marvel's been really good about it. 
Um, they've been swapping out like entire trades on Comixology. Um, and Dark Horse as well. Dark Horse is a ton of stuff um, from like original mass comics to X comics to Hellboy comics to, you know, whatever. So they have a ton of stuff as well. So anybody out there that's looking for something to read, there's free stuff out there. And then another thing that I do fairly consistently, and this is actually how I got all of the boys um, to be able to read, is Humble Bundle. So right now on Humble Bundle, you can go on there and spend $18 and get every single issue, including the original graphic novel and the free comic book day issue of The Walking Dead for $18. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So I now have a digital backup of Walking Dead because why not? And then if you've never done it before, there's a slider on there where you can choose where the money goes. It can go to Humble Bundle, it can go to Image, or it can go to the um, to a charity. And I, I forget the exact name, but it's the same charity that like Jim Lee's been um, giving money to and DC's been giving money to to help out comic book retailers. So go there because, yeah, that's a lot of comics for $18. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this week I read, uh, Star Wars, Dr. Aphra number one, which launched, uh, last Monday for Star Wars day. And it's another Star Wars book that's going to take place right after Empire Strikes Back. Um, uh, Shelly Aphra finds her new crew. They're going to go on another, look for another artifact. It's, you know, what you expect from Dr. Aphra, but I really like the art for this time. And um, we were introduced to a couple new characters as well that are a part of her past that are going to be uh, important parts of this uh, this arc. I like Dr. Aphra. I think it's a fun character. It's, you know, Lady Indiana Jones in space. Uh, what could go wrong? Um, <laughs> Swamp Thing, New Roots, number two. Um, so that was released last Sunday, but it came out like, I don't know, Comixology is weird. So I didn't see it until later after we recorded. And it's a story about Swamp Thing and this family that lives in the swamp and their relationship. And then how they kind of Swamp Thing gets backstabbed um, by one of the kids in the family because they need money. Um, it's a great Mark Russell story. Uh, I really love what he's doing with Swamp Thing. And I, I'm excited to see if they're going to release uh, number three tonight. <laughs> um, and then Batman Adventure Continues Part 3. Uh, so in this, we still have that mystery of who the character was at the end of Part 2, um, who I'm pretty sure is Jason Todd. And Deathstroke shows up. But Deathstroke shows up kind of differently than you'd expect. He comes and helps out the Bat family. Um, they're fighting Clayface, and he just pops up and helps them defeat him and just basically collects intel on them and tries to like get them psychologically to go against each other. And then you find out at the end that it's Deathstroke. He's going to try to kill them. Hmm. Um, that book's fun. I like it. I'm going to keep reading it. Cool. Um, Aquaman Deep Dives, number three, another one of these DC Daily books. A very simple story about Aquaman, New York City, fighting a serpent. I mean, there's not a whole lot of to it, but it's fun watching Aquaman fight a giant serpent in New York City. <laughs> um, and then I dived into some old Kickstarter books that I've had sitting around that I have not read, um, and I pulled one out called Nomad. So it's Nomad number one, which is basically uh, Sons of Anarchy in the post-apocalyptic future. Cool. Um, it's all about the biker gang and there's these weird mutated creatures that are all around earth and they're just kind of doing their thing as these creatures are coming around. Mm -hmm. Um, the art is really cool. Uh, the story was fun. It's, you know, one of the characters, the nomad, if anyone's watched sons of anarchy or knows like a motorcycle culture, that's somebody who's a part of the group, but just goes on his own and, uh, lives from place to place and doesn't really have a, a singular, um, place where he stays all the time and that's kind of the guy we're following so i really enjoyed it it was a like i said it was a kickstarter book i don't know when we're gonna get issue two but it's a it's a cool book with some great art and i'm a sucker for that like motorcycle culture stories uh love sons of anarchy um 
I've got Days Gone sitting around here somewhere to play on PlayStation. Like that stuff just always clicks with me, probably because I grew up around it. <laughs> and then because I'm getting ready for the new uh, volume, I read American Vampire Volume Six and Seven. Nice. Um, if you haven't read American Vampire, it's great. I'm not a big vampire guy, but this is the first book that Scott Snyder. This is the book that put Scott Snyder in my purview. Um, and it's just a cool book about a cowboy who becomes a vampire, and it's the first American vampire. And uh, in these two volumes, you get kind of more of the history of where vampires come from. Um, Skinner, the lead character, goes down to hell at one point and has to escape. Um, there's a new, like, demonish vampire out there that they have to fight. And I like that every volume of it takes place in a new era. So volume seven actually takes place in like the sixties and Skinner's a, it's basically easy rider. So he's like a old style biker. Let's go back to the biker theme. Yeah. Um, And volume six, like half of it is the anthology they released, which has stories by Gail Simone, by Jason Aaron, by Jeff Lemire, um, by a bunch of people. And it's like four, four to six page stories about vampires in different times. And there's some pretty, pretty great ones and some pretty raunchy ones in there as well <laughs> um the one that sticks with me is uh there's one in the 20, 20s or 30s it was old-timey hollywood and this director finds this girl says hey i can make you a movie star and then you kind of get to this point where he's like well i'll make you a movie star get down on your knees uh, and it cuts away so you kind you know what's happening there but she gets her revenge later because she ends up becoming a vampire finding the two guys that did that to her and cutting their heads off and then sticking oh. their heads between their legs Nice. So you get an idea of what she did there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's like, it's quick stories like that. that were just satisfying. Um, I believe that one's Gail Simone. Surprise, surprise. Um, and, and that's just a great series. It, everybody should check it out. Even if you don't like vampires, it's really cool. Well, I'll definitely check it out. So Mike, now that I've talked for an hour, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and or the show and your website? <laughs> Well, you can find me at um, Fortress Chris on Twitter or ChrisRunt.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-R-U-N-D-T.com. Um, and then the show, ForgeComicNews.com. That's where everything we do is uh, posted. So go there and check that out. If you are listening to us, five-star reviews, no more, no less. Five stars helps us reach more years, and I am very happy that we have as many as we do right now. Thank you all. Yes. And if you are watching us, uh, like, subscribe, share. and comment down below i always forget comment so uh everybody stay safe this week be good and thank you so much for listening we will definitely see you all next week Goodbye.